Welcome to Lacrosse and Sport, the podcast for the fastest game on two feet and America's fastest growing sport. Here are your hosts, Roger Welton and Steve Jordan. Hello, lax lovers, and welcome back to another edition of Lacrosse and Sport. Coming to you with my brother from another mother from California, Steve Jordan. Hello, Steve. Good to talk to you again, buddy. Always a pleasure, Roger. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I, I I hope my voice isn't too gravelly tonight. As we were talking about in pre-show, I uh, got roped into coaching a bunch of seven and eight-year-old little girls tonight. Uh, my daughter's coaches were down a coach tonight, and uh, I had to step in. It's it's uh, they hear you about five percent of the time. I thought boys were bad. Talk you know, about change. On, talk about changing on the fly. That'll change your day, oh, yeah. right? And the girls' game is is it's quite different. But uh, I, I know Coach Mark is listening right now, and we're going to introduce him in a moment. But uh, here's what I love about the girls' game, Steve. Raking is illegal. They're not allowed to rake. It's a whistle. I wish it was illegal mm. in the boys' game. Uh, anybody who knows lacrosse knows what raking is. But, Steve, very exciting episode tonight. Um, and, and here's why I'm excited. Number one, we have uh, an assistant coach for uh, Florida Tech uh, men's lacrosse. It is a, a, a preeminent Division II program in the Sunshine State Conference, and right in our backyard, we're very proud to say, and we're very proud of our team and where they've come in a very short time. Coach Mark has been a big part of that. Uh, we're going to engage Co- Coach Mark in just a moment, but we're, primarily um, Coach Mark is very engaged in the <clears throat> recruiting process. And, man, Steve – the recruiting situation here in Florida, and I'm, you know, you're in California. I'm sure it's not much better. And where Coach Mark hails from in Maryland, it, it's there is probably so much cutthroat stuff going on and money grubbing and, and scamming and what have you. But it's starting to happen here in Florida. The sharks are circling, as we should say. And um, as a program director here of youth and high school, I need to learn, you know, what what's legit and what's not, and what what do we need to do? Where do we need to direct these people? You seeing that kind of thing in California? I have been. I'm not that close to it to be able to see it, but I'm yeah. sure it does. If it exists where you are, I'm sure it exists everywhere, yeah. right? And I, you know, as far back as I can remember from playing ball in high school, you know, 20 years ago plus, uh, there was always recruiting problems, whether it was too little or not enough or knowing where to go or where yeah. to showcase. You know, I feel like, you know, today you're probably always on, you know, showcasing because of, you know, videos and, uh, Instagram and, you know, coaches and scouts can look at anybody at any time, anywhere, under any circumstance, you know, and I find that there's probably so much pressure in and around that. So okay. um, I, I'm not surprised that all the, the, the challenges today, the new different types of challenges that are with recruiting, um, I, I could probably see it across any sport as well. So okay. I mean, it's really interesting to hear, you know, from an inside, inside perspective what Coach Mark is going to have to say and give the listeners an advice, uh, an inside scoop on how to go about this in an efficient way and be able to, um, you know, put out their, uh, their skills in front of the best people to be able to get them in the right place. Yeah, cut through the BS, I think, is the best way to put it. So with no further ado, there you Coach go. Mark Penn uh, of FIT Men's Lacrosse, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me and definitely like to talk about this topic because I think it can be helpful for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So before we uh, dive into, uh, you know, our, what we're, we're going to discuss tonight, can we talk about your background a little bit and uh, what, what got you down to Florida? Because you're a Baltimore <clears throat> boy, which we know that's a hotbed of lacrosse and to end up down here. And, you know, it's uh, it's an emerging market still. But even in Florida, we're still a bit in, in the infancy stage here, here in the Space Coast. So uh, tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, I've been uh, involved in the game of lacrosse most of my life. And, uh, you know, I played in college at Essex Community College, which is a, a junior college in Baltimore, um, where I got a chance to play for a national championship and, uh, you know, was won some awards there and was able to, to transfer to Salisbury and, uh, you know, again, have uh, get to learn from some really good people on how the game is played and, and you know, had a love and a passion for the game and then uh, continued to coach with high schools and clubs up in that area and then, when the opportunity presented itself to, you know, join the NCAA and, and take part of a, you know, a, come to the Sunshine State where the weather's beautiful and a chance to coach in the NCAA, which is, you know, those those 
those positions are hard to get. And uh, my family was supportive in the opportunity to to do this. And it's been a dream my whole life to do it. But it's financially tough. But, you know, I was able to to get here and do it. And it's it's just a great thing. So the opportunity to coach in the NCAA and the Sunshine State Conference was too much to, to pass up. And it's been the best move I've ever made. We're happy to have you. Steve, you want to weigh in on that a little bit? Well, uh, I know uh, Baltimore, and I know the background that you have is very solid, uh, being you know, from University of Maryland and that whole area. I mean, it just feels like uh, that's where lacrosse was born. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to have that type of perspective and quality and standards in Florida, knowing how quickly the sport has grown in Florida uh, since Roger and I got involved in the lacrosse store and now with our pro camps in the summer. It's amazing to see the growth exponentially. Um, and I know that pre, pre-show here, we talked a little bit about some of the numbers. I think, uh, Roger, you could say we have about 600 in the, in the program that you're now you know, working in and a yeah. director of the, uh, well, the Space Coast program. Is that right? Yeah, that's just the youth. So we also have tournament teams uh, at the high school level as well. So it's probably up around 1,000 at this point. It, it, it took a decade to get there, but you know, it, you know, I, Mark, you you were part of that. You know, I m- remember you were you were doing a lot on the youth side, on you know, trying to split your time, um, you know, tr- on the beach side there, trying to do whatever you could. Um, you know, back you know, then. Had, had, right, had small kids playing in it when yeah. we moved down here. They they were trying to fill that void of nonstop lacrosse, yeah. and yeah. I saw that there were people here trying to grow the game. And it was in, in the early stages, and people had invested a lot of time in it. And I, you know how it is with lacrosse people. We, we want the game to grow because we love this game so much. So, yeah, anytime you're, you're going to be out there by the field, you, you can't help but, but try to pitch in and, and try to help. And you know that there's a lot of people coaching the game that are, are doing it to help out but may not have an extensive background. So you just try to try to help where you can and, and encourage people to do it and, and – yeah, it's it's hard to split all that time, but we're around so much. So, and I see this, I've seen this county grow so much, and I know how much you guys have done to help that. And it's amazing to get to those numbers now and to see so many kids at a younger age playing it. So it's been a job well done by so many people to get it that way. Certainly takes a village. Um, and I just want to mention, FIT does camps as well. Um, you had mentioned you got a middle school camp coming up. I definitely want to plug that. Um, sounds phenomenal. Can you can you elaborate on what's going on um, with your middle school camp coming up uh, that I believe our organization is going to get involved in? And uh, also you have a summer camp that the kids especially love because you let them go in the swimming pool in the afternoon. I know my sure. son's been bugging me to do it, so I think we're going to do it this summer. Yeah, the summer camp is, is a good way. You know, the kids a lot of times are looking for something during the week, and that's more like a beginner-type camp. Uh, that's that's a good thing to have in the area, and it, I know it supplements what the coaches are doing, hopefully, and gives again kids in the summer a week something to do that's still lacrosse related. Uh, the the middle school team camp is one of our uh, newer things. We started that last year, and that was in response to some coaches in the area who had travel teams and were just struggling with some of the issues that that the travel teams are are struggling with. That you know a lot of times our families are are made to travel all around the state and spend a lot of money to play the same games a lot of times. And we know it's it's necessary that they play the games and it's important, but we're also trying to think of some alternatives and some other ways we could get fundamentals worked into it. And so we thought about these college days or middle school team camp days, and we wanted to focus on the middle school kids for these so that there wasn't any type of ulterior motive under it with the high school kids or the club teams or anything like that. We basically wanted to host teams on a day. We invite three teams to come as a team with their coaching staff, and we want the parents to be there as close as they can as well. And we start the day with them watching us practice, and we purposefully go through a series of drills that we're going to do with those teams. So they sit there for an hour and watch our guys run through these team concepts, and then we bring them out onto the field as teams with their coaches, and we split off and we run these half field and full field drills where you'll have uh, team, you know, offense from one club going against defense from another club in a drill and vice versa around the field. So they're intermingling. The coaches are intermingling. Our kids are there working with them throughout the day. Uh, we're just kind of running the drills and the concepts, but we're doing it to back up what the coaches are already teaching, not to 
to change what they're teaching, to back it up and also to support them in front of the kids and to kind of give these kids an inspiration to see what's ahead if they if they do this and how the game can be played. We also feel like it, it builds the relationships in the teams. One thing we noticed uh, that was a little bit different here in Florida as in some of the other areas where the tournaments have been going on longer is that there seems to be a lot of rivalries and, you know, a lot of areas – the kids, they see each other and they play on club teams together here, on different teams there. They all know each other and it's there's a camaraderie and a brotherhood. And we wanted to build that. And we felt bringing the teams together where they have to stand there and drill lines and meet each other and talk to each other. They have lunch together. We do film study where we, we film the drills and then we bring them into a room and we go through the film. And we have them have to tell something about somebody from another team that they learned at lunchtime. Things like that. We're just trying to build that culture of lacrosse to those kids and hopefully they go away from that day. And then at the end of the day, they do get their games. We bring refs in and we have, they play their three games that they would get at the tournament, but hopefully they got more out of the day than just that. And we figure at a price point that's cheaper than what they're spending for a tournament. Hopefully it's not looked at as a money grab. It's looked at as a service. And uh, so that's what it is. It's, it's a, it's a concept that, that some other people have helped with uh, John Galloway up at Jacksonville jumped right in and he ran one right after we did. Uh, Roy Whipple over at Tampa is going to do another one. And Brian Kingsbury down at Lynn, we've talked to him about doing the same concept. And hopefully in the future, you know, these some teams that don't can't get into the FTL or decide that that's not the option for just that spring portion, we'll do a series of team camps with different teams. And our college coaches can actually go around to these different ones. And they're getting eyes on them. And, and they're, they're just you know, a little bit of experience. So... That's what it is, and, and again, we hope hope it uh, it continues to go, and, and the teams that have come to it are always calling and saying, hey, when can we do another one? And a lot of times we don't even advertise it, uh, like the one coming up, uh, Brian Duncan up at, uh, up at Ohana, he, he said, hey, our kids want to do another college day. When can we do it? And uh, got another team, and then hopefully got another team, and we get three, and we can do it. And it's not too diluted that the kids don't get a real good experience. Yeah, we know and we love Ohana. You know, they're we consider them one of the good guys. Um, talk about the the cutthroat and the rivalry, though. Oh man, it 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 yeah. it can get ugly. I'm in the middle of it, so you know, and you know as well as anybody. Um, you know, and Steve, you know, what it reminds me of. Uh, do you remember? So our 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 arch rival, and we had a few, but <laughs> um, is this t- town called Westfield, Westfield, New Jersey? And we were we were Clark, New Jersey. And we were, we were always in like the top ten. And we, we, we shared a railroad tracks, you know, Mark, and, but we did Rutgers lacrosse camp with these guys. Remember, you know what I'm talking about, right, Steve? It was Rutgers lacrosse camp that changed the whole paradigm between the two towns because you had this, you know, fights breaking out, nasty stuff, right? And then our generation comes along and things change because we're doing Rutgers lacrosse camp with these guys and we realize they're no different kind of knucklehead than we are. And, yep. and, and granted, there's nobody, Steve, you remember. How bad do we want to be Westfield? But but then yeah. no matter who won, at the end of the day, we're hugging it out after you know, and then and then going out. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's the what I loved. I mean, what I what I loved hearing about what you just said there were, were two things. One is just the the program and the uh, dynamic services and offerings that you have in there. But the second one, probably the most important, was the community. Uh, how you're creating this community there and and creating relationships that would have never, otherwise never would have happened. And that's the game of lacrosse. It's about community, you know, really at the end of the day. And that's what I love about it. And uh, it sounds like you're promoting that from an early age. And I think those are life, life lessons as well that will carry over outside of the game um, that is invaluable, in yeah, my hopefully, opinion. Hopefully. That's definitely the goal. Yeah, for sure. And, and for coaches, too. We learn a lot, too. You know, we learn we learn that, you know, we all have the same goals and we don't have to go, you know, completely bat crazy on the sideline. Um, you know, it, it that's right. Of- I think that's important for the coaches too to, <laughs> yeah. to, to coach together a little bit and realize yeah. that we all have the same goals. Yeah. And the parents, even when they're in an environment like that, half the day when usually they're over on the sideline screaming at each other about whether it was a penalty or not, now <laughs> they have to sit together. And, uh, you know, we bring them together at the beginning of the day, too, and explain to them that that's a big part of what this is, you know, that you're going to see each other again over at the Orlando Open, and this time you'll know each other, and the kids will go by and, and, and smile at each other and shake hands or go hang out, and that's 
that's the brotherhood of lacrosse that that we love you know yeah I feel like there's more decor, possibly, you know, and there's so much more on the line at the NCAA level watching you guys versus sometimes watching the high school and youth level. But um, at any rate, hey, thank you for that. Um, I certainly uh, I want to explore more of that with you, uh, certainly after the show and beyond. Um, so as far as uh, let's talk about recruiting, Coach Mark. Um, let's talk about the process and, you know, in, introduce it to us in a way that makes sense. And, and you know, I don't even know where to begin. So. Please take the wheel. Yeah, you know, um, I definitely like talking about this and not because I feel like uh, I know anything that's, you know, I don't have any special knowledge. I just have been fortunate enough to be around it from a a number of angles, Uh, from the high-end club program that is building itself on percentages of Division I recruits and charging so much money. For, the, for that opportunity and having hundreds of kids try out for a team of 25 guys to try to get that right, to see it from that end and from having, you know, a high school team that at one year had nine nine Division One kids on it, you know, seeing it from that end and the process that those type of kids went through and then coming down here and being on the end where now I'm receiving the, the kid, you know, the, the emails from the kids and their interest and having to go out and find the right kids for my program and that sort of stuff, it's given me a perspective on the whole thing. And then to add to that, now I have kids of my own that are in that recruiting age, so I'm watching them get the information in from from coaches and from recruiting, uh, you know, these recruiting coordinating type uh outlets, you know, the third party people like Captain U, et cetera. So I'm watching what's happening with them and the dishonesty and the not just so much dishonesty, but the it's not all up front. I think there's a lot. Kids think they're being recruited when they're not. And I and I see what my kids get. And I know that if if they're getting it and they didn't have me telling them what it was, how would they ever know? It's disguised to make it look like they're being recruited when really they're being invited to spend their money at that school for the day. And again, you know, I, I'm speaking directly to the, the system that I'm a part of, uh, but I think there's got to be more transparency in it. And, um, you know, I just think people have to know exactly what they're dealing with. And I understand why uh, it's done the way it is. I understand why the club system is the way it is. Um, but I definitely think that we have to be more transparent with people about how it all works because I see people investing money in things that are never going to pan out uh, looking for something that's not really there. And if they knew really what they were looking for or what was realistic in the beginning of the process, they probably would have wasted less time and less money trying to figure that out and probably would have gotten further along in the process earlier. So uh, all that being said, I just, you know, try to help them, trying to help inform people about what it is, especially with the club programs, the prospect days, um, the third party recruiting uh, uh, facilitators, I guess you would call them. And I think all of those things need to be discussed because that's the, the things people are looking at is where do I spend my money? Do I need to send my kid to some club team far away? Do I need to make one of those national travel teams? Do I have to travel? To, to make it? Do I have to have Captain U sending out my profile? Do I have to have a profile online with NCSA and all that stuff? Um, so I, I think it's important for somebody sometimes to hear from the people that are making these decisions on who's going to take these spots and also how exclusive it is. You know, the numbers online on NCAA.org tell you the probability of playing college lacrosse. And Right now, there are 109,000-plus kids playing high school lacrosse, and there are 13,000 positions in Division I, II, and III. So 12.6%, I believe it is, right now, or 12.9% of all kids playing high school lacrosse will play in the NCAA. Division I is 2.5 or 6%. Division II is even lower at 2.1%, and Division III is at like 7%. So if you figure, and people, out in our office, that's a very hard concept to understand. Is that so? If you're if it's 12% nationally, and Baltimore and Long Island and and Boston are at 90, 95%, where does that leave you? If you're in Louisiana, Georgia, 
South Carolina, Florida, and your state is new to it and there's a lot of kids playing, are you automatically, because you're playing lacrosse, going to have a spot in college? And sometimes people think lacrosse is a scholarship sport that they, that, you know, if my kid gets in lacrosse, there's a lot of scholarship money and that's completely false. You know, there is not a lot of scholarship money for kids in college lacrosse. Um, their academics are what's going to get them there and get them money and get them the opportunity to play. But that's not talked about a lot um, in the club recruiting world because there's, there's jerseys to be sold and positions to be and to had and tournaments to fill out which, again, is all necessary. And I never want to discourage what's going on with the club scene because I do feel like it's a necessary evil. There are, there, it is not a fair system. It is definitely uh, has a lot of problems. But with the way recruiting is set up for us as college coaches, it's definitely necessary for us to have places to go and see these kids compete with kids of equal caliber and age and um, on these stages. So it's very important, but it's also over diluted. And what ha- what I really get discourages me is when I go with my kids and my family to uh, tour- large tournaments in Florida. And I only use Florida as an example because that's where I'm at and I see it happening. I go to these tournaments and it's a huge amount of teams and kids playing lacrosse, which I love. But there's a lot of misconception as to, it, that it, you know, is it a recruiting thing? And, you know, up north, when they have a recruiting tournament, they pay more to be there. But there's a certain guarantee of the eyes that are going to be on them. Uh, I've been to a Florida tournament where there were high school kids playing and I was there anyway. And I wanted to get a look. You know, there's 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 kids to be found. So I figured, hey, I'm going to be here. And I go over to the tent to ask, you know, can I get the recruiting book? And they looked at me like I was square, you know, like, wait, a book. So I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, so if these people paid this much money to play in these scrimmage games, and there's not even a book listing their name and information so I can correlate their number to who they are, and I'm here to watch, what exactly are they paying for? Scrimmages? And that's just me asking. You know, and um, I know that it's necessary for the kids to play, and that's kind of the trap, is that – well, my kid wants to play lacrosse. That's the venue to play, and you want them to go play with their friends and, and competitively and get better with good coaching. But is it all add up to what they really think it is? And I think that, you know, that needs to be to said sometimes. Now, it's not going to be told to you by the tournament directors, obviously, because that that's not their goal. Now, if it's a high-end uh, recruiting tournament, then obviously they're, they're pumping that fact of how many college coaches are going to be there, and they pay a stipend to go to it. And they, you know, they go out of their way to make it a recruiting tournament. So then you have the national teams that say they're going to, if you pay this money and you make the team, we're going to take you to the recruiting tournament and get you recruited. And I see that too a lot of times. And I know that, you know, a lot of times they're picking tournaments that none of us are going to. And uh, they're, they're putting them on teams that we can't recruit because they might take a mixed club, a mixed age club to a recruiting tournament. But if it's a mixed-age club, it's not going to be a recruiting tournament because we really only look at 19s against 19s, 18s against 18s when it comes to actual recruiting. So I think that's probably a little bit too long-winded for that one question, but uh, hopefully we're getting started. No, that's great. Um, That's not – you just highlighted so many relevant points to me. Um, You know, I – the – I have a tournament team, not me anymore. I don't coach it anymore. My my son's finally of age now to do uh, um, travel ball, so he's in the 10U division. So I gave up high school, but I had this, the team still exists, but um, Space Coast Stingrays. And the Stingrays, you know, we, we did these tournaments mostly just to get better and, you know, coalesce all these high schools and put our best foot together to compete with, like, the Palm Beach Revolutions of the world, right? Anyway... In the three years that I was involved in that, I only had one occasion where I had a college scout come up to me and be like, who's this, who's that, who's this? One time. That's a lot of games. <laughs> you know? right. A lot of years, one right. time. So um, I, I, I see your point and, and, and point taken, and, and thank you for that perspective. You got any questions on that, Steve? I do. I thought that, that was outstanding, and it really was eye-opening for me as well. Uh, thank you for all of that information. Now – what are some of the things that the listeners should look for, right? What should they be aware of? Uh, you know, are there are top yeah. three, five things that they can 
I hope you gone to be able to avoid all of this mess. Yes. <laughs> I, th- I think number one is the, the third party, the third party recruiting uh, people, the, the captain use and the NCSAs. And I know they're, they have a business and, and um, you know, I'll probably get an email from them <laughs> about this, but I've complained directly to them. And when they send me, there's, their emails are like car alarms going off. It's every day we've got six perfect recruits for Florida Tech, and they don't know who I'm looking for. They obviously don't know my recruiting board because they're sending me the names of kids of positions that I've already filled out for classes that I've already filled out. They're sending me kids that don't have the right GPA, that don't have the right major. So I'm wondering how they're even picking these kids. And every, every write-up on every kid, he's the next John Grant Jr., and, you know, the videos are just highlights. I never see a kid miss a shot. I don't see anybody lose a face-off. Um, <laughs> those third-party recruiting things, they're paying for a profile online where I get much more – I'm much more apt to look at a kid who emails me directly from his own email, him writing it, a video attached, a reason why he chose Florida Tech to write to. You know, that is an email that – I will take and read it. I read everyone. And we have recruiting questionnaires on our website. And every kid that fills out the recruiting questionnaire, I will sit and I will look at every single one of them um, because that's a kid taking initiative. And, and he, he picked the school and he, he puts his information in there. If he's not a good fit, then and it's completely not a good fit. You know, I, I usually won't respond because it's just too many. And I think that's another thing, the, the alarming, astounding amount of emails and recruiting questionnaires that get filled out from all over the country and Canada on a regular basis. It's, it's, it's mind blowing how many kids are trying to get these spots. So the kid that takes the initiative and definitely attaches video because uh, some kids will write a nice long email, but the reality is I don't have a lot of time and none of, none of the coaches do The schedules are extremely busy. And especially even in season, you know, I'm, I've got time to go through the emails. But if I click on it or I click on the recruiting questionnaire and there's no video attached, it doesn't do me much good to read about you and, and how you are. I need to see it, and I need to see just enough to let me know whether I want to see you play in person. And that that's the starting point. And I think how that, many minutes would you how many minutes would you say is um, two minutes two minutes or less two minutes or less. I think in the first 30 seconds of video we have a pretty good idea whether that kid is going to be something we, whether we want to keep watching the film. And then you start to look for identifiers like who are they playing against? Uh, you know, is the goalie got two legs and standing up straight and all that? Because, you know, there's you have to look because sometimes a kid's scoring against people that aren't very good. So you, you if the video's compelling, and usually that's athleticism and, and stuff like that that jump off the page first, uh, then that that gets the intrigue going. And then start to look further. So and like a highlight usually, video, make, you're saying? Like, highlight video, okay. yes. Just a, just a, like no a two-minute highlight video. Okay, wow. Yeah, Remarkable. Just, I'm sure you get much yeah. longer than that. <laughs> right. You know, but the thing is, is it's that initial reach. It's that initial contact with the coach. You don't want to overdo it. You want to put your best foot forward, but get them interested. And, again, if, if I click on it, I look at the film, and I go, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's a big, fast kid right there. Look at that shot. All right, let me watch some more. And I get enough of a taste that I that I want to respond to that kid. I, I say, all right, hey, this is a kid that my competitors are going to want that I need. I would like to start looking at. Then I'll respond to him and say, okay, hey, why don't you send me out your tournament schedule? Because most of the kids that are taking that type of initiative are playing somewhere. And most of the time I can look at the club team that they list on their profile to kind of tell whether they're going to be near where I'm going to be. So – in the summer months, I go to the Mid-Atlantic where, you know, most of the kids that are in in the mix will come through the Mid-Atlantic at some point in the summer, and I will try to get this out to see them. Once I'm communicating with them, I will make a point to go watch them play uh, because at that point I'm investing my time into them, and, and, and I know that in the course of looking at them, I'll, I'll pick up some other stuff. Um, that's another misconception is that all the college coaches are sitting out on the sideline just randomly – hoping to see some kid and actually looking through the book, checking off who's good and bad. Typically not. Typically they're there to look for a certain kid that we've been talking to or a certain club team that we get kids from regularly or a, college or a high school coach has been t- reaching out and saying, hey, 
come look at this kid, come look at this kid, or club coaches that we deal with and respect are reaching out to us saying, hey, I got one for you, he's perfect fit for you, and I'll make a point or we'll make a point to go see that kid play. So the, the first couple-minute highlight gets the door open to where we know it's, it might be a good fit. Seeing them play in person is the next crucial step. So that's the other that that's where it becomes the next big issue for a lot of people is how do we get the coach to see us play in person? Um, and you know that that that's tricky and that's where the money part comes in because if you've done the rest of it without spending money on a recruiting uh, facilitator, then you should be able to invest in the next part, which is where do I go to be seen and by who? And typically, I feel like you have to have a coach around you that you know has some type of connection that you trust and you might have to depending where you are travel to seek that person out uh, just to get in that mix and I do think there are some travel teams in Florida that do it the right way and put their teams together correctly and take those kids to the right events and they do they do get what they're hoping to get out of it and it's it's realistic I think there are others that it's a complete farce and they're taking people's money and and it's not benefiting them uh, so picking that's tough. So you have to talk to somebody that you trust and you might have to reach out to some people and say, where should I go? Uh, the prospect day phenomenon is the next thing. You know, that's that's a really tough equation because uh, people get prospect day invites all the time. And the way that that works is that, and this isn't disclosed often, but what most uh, large percentage of college coaches do is they take the database from a tournament that is a recruiting tournament and they email that entire database a prospect day invite. So there are kids who get a prospect day invite with their name attached to it, and they think that means that they're being recruited by Mount St. Mary's or whoever. Uh, they're, but they're not. The entire country is getting an email. That's because that's how they do it. And it's, and it's no discrete, no knock on them. They're doing a great job of what they do, but that's their that's their how they do it. So my kids get them, you know, and it says their name on it. But they have to understand that there's a computer software that we have that takes the database and puts the name into the letter and their position and sends it to them. And sometimes it says even I saw you play, which is very discouraging to me because I've taken my kid to a tournament or he played on a tournament team up in Maryland that was his old tournament team, but he couldn't make every tournament because we're from Florida. And there was a tournament he didn't play in and he got letters from that tournament saying we saw you play at the tournament. And to me, I'm, you know, and so I show that when I have people come to a prospect day, we bring them in the room and I'll show them some of these things and make sure that they understand that it can be very deceiving. We don't do our prospect days that way at all because I'm not a fan of that dishonesty. Uh, We try to do it a little bit more ethically, which doesn't make us the money. Uh, Programs do need to have money to succeed. And those prospect days are big fundraisers. And the reality is, like we said, there's 109,000 kids trying to get a spot. So they're going to fill those prospect days if they market them correctly. And there's assistant coaches getting paid to market them. So they do. And I can't, you know, and they get those kids in. And every now and then a kid will go to a prospect day and randomly get found by that coach and get get a spot on that roster. It happens every now and then. It's not often. Um, my, my opinion is, is that if you're not communicating directly with a coach before you go to that prospect day and you know that they know you, you're probably not a real recruit to that coach. If that coach isn't investing some time communicating with you, you're not a real recruit to that coach. And that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes for people, but you have to to know that. And they have to reach out to the coaches to see if they'll get a response. And if they don't, then they're not being recruited. If they get just a prospect date, but they can't get a response back, even after they signed up for the prospect date, then they're probably not being recruited. Now, again, if it's the school that they really, really want to go to, and they've targeted just that one place, and there's no possible way they'll play in front of that coach because they don't play on a club team, they can't afford a showcase, that coach won't be anywhere that they'll be, then for God's sake, go to the prospect day and get in front of that coach and meet that coach and spend that 150 bucks. That's worth it, you know. But don't think it's a guarantee. And until you've communicated with them, don't feel like you're being recruited until you get there and he starts saying, hey, What's your major? What do you want to major in? What's your grades? Let me see your transcripts. Let's have you on an official visit. When they start talking official visit and transcripts and that kind of stuff, then the kid is being recruited. So that's a, that's a line I definitely like to, to help people with 
because I have people say, you know, I'm going to go to North Carolina. I'm going to go to Michigan. <laughs> well, you're in the 11th grade, so you, you're not. That I'm, class is full already. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I know a few, <laughs> right? I, I feel bad, yeah. but but um, so Coach Mark, that was a wealth of information. I don't know if you noticed. I'm taking crazy notes here. I didn't realize I was going to be learning so much. It's on a napkin, a paper towel. I'm going to I'm going to transcribe this onto some paper because. This is phenomenal information, so I, I thank you for it. So let me um, – I want to ask you uh, another question. This is a question I get quite a bit. Whether you have a prospect camp or, um, you know, a showcase – and I don't want to name names, right? I don't need to get sued or get sure, you know, blasphemed sure. in the state of Florida. You know how that goes, sure. right? So I'm not going to name anything sure. and, or ask your opinion on them. I won't do that to you. I certainly don't want to do it to myself. Um, but when – if you have so with the new NCAA rule that you can't engage a player until <laughs> September of his junior year, is it is there any benefit to having a sophomore or freshman age kid doing any of this stuff? Yeah, it is. It yeah. is, especially for the kids that are really on that Division One track or even the high end D two D three D three track. It really is because even if they say, and it's only the Division One coaches that can't contact. The Division Two and Three still can. Really? Because so it actually gives the Division Two is a little bit of an advantage because we have athletic scholarship money and we now can build a relationship a little bit quicker than the D One can. Obviously, the kid is high end. If they're a high end D One kid, they're not going to want to talk to a D Two school before before Johns Hopkins can get to them. But <laughs> we also are not foolish enough to think that if uh, you know, if the, the, the high-end D1s, they're on a certain recruiting class, whether or not they're allowed, you know, if they're working on 20s right now and they can't contact 20s, they're still working on 20s. So they're still out there. Like if you go to the tournaments right now, the, the, the Petromalas and the Tiernies of the world are watching 20s and 21s play, not, not, not 18s and 19s. Yeah, the D2s are watching 19s. But, you know, the, the D1s are on 20s and 21s, and they can't talk to them right now, but there's a lot of ways that they can talk to them. It gave a lot more power to the club coaches because the big power players are those club coordinators on the big clubs, the, the Crabs, the Rock, the Clams, the, the Dukes, those, you know, the Sweet Lacks, Rochester guys, they, they – you know, they've got they've done a lot of the work for us by having these huge tryouts and picking out these great kids. Yeah. And we know they're good. Um, but it also puts the power to them because they can communicate to the college coach all they want. So they, they have set up that line of communication. It's also made some of the prospect day stuff change slightly because now the D1 coaches, if they have them in for a prospect day, they can talk to them all they want. So now the club coach can arrange it so that they're communicating and they're being personally invited to that prospect camp and now it's more of a visit even though it's not a visit so i think there's you see you see all kind of things yeah you know you see the coaches definitely talking more to the club coaches at the tournaments which didn't used to happen as much so you know i think it's a real good effort to slow things down but in the real grand scheme of things wherever they're at on the recruiting board is where they're at and and that's who they're looking for so yeah i think for the kids that really are are, are gung ho and this is what they do and they really want to pursue it. They're they're you know by that eighth by that year before their freshman uh, fall they they really should be out in that circuit um, again as as much as it pains me to say and as expensive as it is it is how we're getting most of the recruiting done right now. So Steve, that was actually going to be my next question. How soon like should they start? In inquiring and pursuing and uh, really honing in on this and visualizing themselves being recruited, you know, right. I, I think freshman year. Sure, I, I think late freshman, you know, by that late spring of freshman year, if they made varsity as a freshman, then they definitely want to start getting it out. Sophomore year is really crucial. Um, you know, any kid that is, uh, and that's another thing. You know, most if, most kids, if they're going to be on Division One track, they're usually being recruited by their sophomore year. They're usually freshmen and sophomores on varsity who are contributing early, and they're typically typically if you're not being recruited by by sophomore year by a D1, you you'll be a late guy who, who you know that small handful of guys that fall through and get recruited late. Um, otherwise, it's early. So I do think 
once they get themselves in and they they start spending the money to go to showcases or they spend that money to go onto a club team that's a recruiting team at that point they need to to leverage that investment by by telling all the coaches where they're going to be so anytime they spend whatever it is fifteen hundred two thousand dollars to join you know club team a out of out of pennsylvania then they right away should send an email to every college coach that they want to play for and tell them I, i'm number 45 on the dukes out of pennsylvania and i'll be playing at these four events please come watch me play and that's that's the first start so and then and again the highlight films as soon as they get highlights they should start pumping them out to every coach that they want to play for and uh i, I think a big thing is sitting down with somebody at that age and, and starting to to see if you know where you want to go and make a short list and have somebody who's honest with you because i remember even in maryland where you know, as a high school, like I said, that had some some real good kids, some some kids that are professionals now and did some great things. But you still have, you know, 35, 40 other kids who, who think that they're going to Johns Hopkins. And you sit down with a kid and you, you say, make your list. And the kid's an 11th grader who barely made the varsity. And he writes down Towson, Maryland, Hopkins and Virginia. You know, and you have to sit there and go, no, we have to remake this list. And it should say, you know, um, it should say Hampton, Sydney, and it should say, you know, some smaller places. And we should start looking for who has your major that would have a need for you. Uh, you might need to travel a little further for school. You might need to pick something smaller. But those are harsh conversations to have, but somebody has to have it so that kid doesn't waste his time sending emails to Virginia who's not never going to open them. So, hmm. yeah, I think it's uh, they got to start early, but they got to be a little bit uh, guided in how they're pursuing it for sure. How does one find an honest facilitator? Uh, great question. You know, like yeah, that's a very that's a very good question. <laughs> I would say I would say the first thing is probably somebody who's not asking you for your money. Like you know, uh, an advisor in your life, I think typically is somebody who's doing it because they want to help you. And um, I think that's one thing. You know, now that everybody doesn't have that, so there are people who need to go and seek out. But again, if you if you if you go a little bit and you start playing for a coach and you realize that that's a person that does know what they're talking about and and does have at least enough connections to tap you into somebody, then you start talking to that person and that that person's not going to charge you to, for their advice. And as somebody who knows you a little bit, um, that that to me is the most honest facilitator. I think um, again, sometimes you pay that money to get on a club team because you know that they have a track record. Um, uh, you know, for me in recruiting, I know who my go-to club coaches are. That there are some guys that if I call them right now and I name a kid off of what any one of their teams, it could be their 2022 top 66 team, and they'll 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 pull. They'll say what kid? Oh, that kid. They can tell me everything. His his family dynamics, his financial needs for college, what he wants to major in, how good he is. Everything. And those guys are really good at what they do and they're worth paying because they have a, a long track record. And I and a lot of times, even down here, we've had kids who you can just see like, hey, that, you know, that kid is 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 good. He's he's a step above some of the other kids here. It'd be really good to see that kid get an opportunity. And we've had a couple where we've said, you know, hey, if you if your parents want to invest the time and money, we have a connection where we can put you on one of these teams. That's, you know, you have to go up there and live with somebody or whatever it takes for you to do it. But if you want to do it, we'll get you there. And I guarantee you that the people we're going to put you around will help you do what you want to do. If you can prove that you're good enough in that world to do it. And typically if they have the resources to do it, that works because they were relayed to an honest person that would help them. I think when you get an email from, captain you because you played in such and such tournament and they give you a free profile that says you have a message from a college coach and all you have to do is pay $20 to see the message from the college coach. Anybody that would make you pay to see your message from a college coach probably doesn't have your best interest at heart. You know, they're trying to put food on the table, which I don't blame them, but why at some kid's expense who doesn't know any better. So I think the first thing is, why do you want my 30 bucks if the team really wants me? Just tell me. And again, I see with my own kid. You have a message from this. Well, I know it's because he played in the Brian event 
last summer, and I know the guy who runs the Brian event, and I know that that database gets handed to Captain U because it's a sponsorship thing, right. and they're trying to solicit. They they pay for the right to solicit all those kids. So the message from the college coach says you've been invited to our prospect day. Well, guess what? It went to every kid in the entire database. So how I am again? That's the type of person you don't trust. The face to face contact with somebody who says. Hey, that's that's somebody I know. They've done this, 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 and this for these other kids. At least go ask them their advice. Or even in our small area, what we're doing right now. I mean, you know, how many times I have kids from the area who late in high school will reach out and say, Hey, I, I think I might want to go to Florida Tech. And my first question is, Have you ever, you know, do what do you know about our program? Oh, not, nothing really. <laughs> have you ever seen us play? No, we we practice every day, three o'clock. You're welcome to come out anytime you want. But if you don't associate yourself and at least know what that is in your backyard, and there are people right there who are willing to to, to answer honestly your questions. Um, but if you don't even make that reach, then uh, then what do you realistically expect to get? So it's always interesting that uh, we've had some kids come out to practice and they've taken that time to do it. I think it's eye opening for them. To look around and, and say, yeah, this, this is a little bit different than what I thought it was. And when the reality hits that there's, you know, multiple high school All-Americans out there and Division One transfers and, and you know, it, it's it's not easy. It's not easy. But if you don't even know what's going on in your own backyard, sometimes it's tough to know what's going on outside. And uh, some kids don't even understand what the options are for them. They think that it's Towson, Hopkins, Virginia or bust. So. Um, and, you know, you guys know with the D3, D3 background that there's a lot of opportunities for kids off the beaten track. And those teams are ultra competitive, too. They take it full time as their full time job. And making those teams is no easy task. So to know what you're even trying to get into, like there's a college team practicing five, 10, 20 miles from me. And I want to play college lacrosse. It might be in my best interest to go over there and see what that looks like for a day. <laughs> so, yeah, I I have a question for you. So, um, an athlete goes through all the all the, the necessary steps, gets uh, you know a couple of prospects, things going on, things are looking good, and the door closes, and they don't have an opportunity anymore. What's their option when doors close? You know, and they're ready to go to college or make a decision. You know, should they put academics first? Should they, you know, reapply after a first? Or is there another, is there a second chance? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think one mistake that kids make is they put too many, they put all their eggs in one basket too often. And they focus in on one, one school instead of talking to multiple people and taking multiple visits. Uh, kids come in on visits to Florida Tech and say, okay, I'm in. I want to go here. And I said, well, you're going to visit anywhere else? Like, I, what if you get here and you decide a week later that you hate it? Or what if your SATs are too low and you can't get in at the last minute? You want to explore your options. So I think, you know, having fallback plans and having uh, relationships with other coaches other than maybe that one is helpful. So you have a fallback plan. But I think what you said, the main thing is, is, is put your academics and your career after lacrosse first and, and ask yourself, you know, where you want to be if you blew out your knee tomorrow. Where do you want to go to school and get your education? And is it possible to play there? If it's not, you have to make a tough decision. Do I go somewhere else where I can play? And then one of the other routes, which which I'm familiar with because I did it myself, was to go to, to travel and go to play for a junior college school that's you know in the top five that you go there and, and you prove that you you can not only go to school and play, but you can play at a high level and compete and and the college coaches are picking those JUCO teams clean every year. It's a great route. It's not for everyone, but that is another option that we've even done here. And I know Tim King up at Essex has a couple of Florida kids up there because of that, where they said, hey, I was too late and work out. I really want to play. I really want to play. Well, if you really want to play, here's another option for you where you can go and start playing right away. And then also, again, sometimes I do know that, if it falls through, like if, if I have a kid here who I've been recruiting throughout the process and and it falls through on that kid for some reason, uh, typically we, the coaching community is a pretty small, tight-knit group, and we usually will look out. If it's a kid that needs a spot, we'll, 
will call somebody and, and say, hey, you know, this didn't work out for me, but I think this kid's a good fit for you. And I've had kids handed to our program that way. And I've had some that, you know, academically just didn't line up with Florida Tech that I had to point to another spot. So um, I think who you build that relationship with matters. And I think kid, when kids are going through the recruiting, if they're not talking to that coach and getting a good vibe that that person is really in their corner, uh, then they can end up having the bottom drop out from under them for sure. And I've seen that happen. And there's situations where scholarship money is talked about. Um, it's bantered around. It's not completely lined up or things change with colleges a lot of times. And I've seen situations where, you know, the scholarship money might, might change at the last minute. And now all of a sudden financially you can't afford to go there. Um, so that's a tough situation too. But again, fallback plans are, are really necessary. If you're serious, that college lacrosse is something you, it's a life goal. Like getting my education is something I know I'm, I need to do and I want to do and I'm going to do. But playing that college lacrosse is something I, if I don't do it, I'll regret it. Then, you know, do that. And then again, there's, there's other, you know, there's a lot of lacrosse being played outside of the NCAA too, that for some kids is a, is a great option that want to go to bigger schools and play in IMC, uh, uh, MCLA and NAIA. And, you know, there's some options where they can continue to play. Um, but, again, for the kids that are focused on NCAA and they, that's their life goal, they should have a few places that they're, that they're talking with, you know, instead of focusing on one. Wow, it's great stuff, guys. I, we, I, I could chat all night about this. Um, the time has flown. Um, I, I really appreciate your time, Coach Mark. Um, I, I, I definitely want to pick your brain in the near future some more and, and certainly connect our program or let's say reconnect. We were going well there for a while um, in, in the madness of combining all of the different fiefdoms of the county. We just kind of lost touch, but it certainly wasn't on purpose. We can't wait to get reengaged with FIT. It's very exciting. We're very fortunate to have such a great program right in our backyard. So thank you for your time and your perspective. Well, we, we appreciate that and definitely want to, uh, you know, help the community build and anything we can do. And I know our, our kids, our players on the team are, are some of the best young men you could, you oh, could meet. Absolutely. We're really, really proud of them. Yeah. And they have a desire to get out with the kids. They're always asking me uh, to do lessons with kids. They, when the kids come over, we've had teams practice, have practices before our games, so they're on the field. And our guys love going out when the team camps are there, they're hands-on. Um, it's good for them. I think it's good for the community. And obviously, it, you know, we can't do it. We, we can't do what we're doing on an island. And I know the, the rec and club programs here can't do what they're doing on an island. So hopefully we all work together to keep this growing. Yeah, and I really look forward to it. Steve, any final thoughts? No, Coach, that was an outstanding interview and just conversation about just where this recruiting epidemic and opportunity is really appreciate the input and insight. Uh, it was eye opening for me and I've got a lot more questions. So I'd love to have you back on and I'm sure the listeners would too. So thanks. Absolutely. For Thank you very much. I appreciate the, the, the platform and you, you guys are awesome and what you're doing for the game. And, you know, at some point it'd be great to get everybody together and even do a recruiting seminar where we, where we lay these things out and answer questions and, that's a sketchy area with the NCAA too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the rules, but but um, no, I think it's 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 good. So thank you very much, Steve. I bid you uh, a, a wonderful evening, Coach Mark Penn, FIT, ladies and gentlemen. Signing off, locks on everybody. Till next time.